It is the 200 level episode 195 from the Ritz to the Rubble. Arctic Monkeys fans, you would understand that reference from the first album. I was trying to think of a title that would encapsulate how we all felt on Sunday. From Sunday morning until Sunday afternoon, when everything changed and everything ended. And I don't want to be overly dramatic in this episode of the 200 level, but the fact of the matter is, in 34 years, I've seen a lot of disappointments from Illinois basketball. I have never felt the kind of emptiness that I did after Sunday. You could go back to 05 in the UNC game. That was a national title game. You'd already won a Big Ten title, Big Ten tournament title, got a one seed, made a Final Four, made the national title game. You had all these tangible rewards for what you had done, in addition to being the number one team most of the year. And you came up against a buzzsaw in that North Carolina team that had five future pros. It happens. No shame in that. You had a shot from Luther Head that went in and out that would have tied it or taken the lead. I forget which one. So you were right there. You fought your butt off despite James Augustine playing, what, three minutes in the entire game? No shame in that. It sucked, but the very next day, wasn't it? Memorial Stadium, 50,000 people, however many, greeted the team as they came back. There was a pride in that Illini basketball team. Go back to 2001. That was my first taste in, in terms of you know being conscious about what was going on. My first taste of being close to a Final Four. One seed, Big Ten champions, regular season champions, back on the map in a big way. Loaded team, very physical team, coming up against a buzzsaw in Arizona for the third time that year. And you lost, and it was frustrating, and the officiating, of course, pissed you off. Why wouldn't it? But a day or two later, you think, God, that sucks being in the Final Four, but what a hell of a year, right? Still a sense of accomplishment. 89, too young to remember that. And I'm sure if I would have lived through the Higgins rebound over Nick Anderson, I would have been sick to my stomach for a long time. Certainly would not have watched the national title game. Don't know when I would have even wanted to watch a single basketball game after that. That would have been devastating because that probably was the team, right? But this, this could have been the team in their own way in this weird NCAA tournament. Had they just won on Sunday, we would be looking at a path to the Sweet 16 with Oregon State, Syracuse, and Houston in your way. I would have taken our odds given the opponents. But instead, you have a weekend of basketball coming up that, frankly, I don't want to watch any of it. I watched maybe, maybe five minutes of basketball after the Illinois game ended on Sunday. The enjoyment and the excitement that you get from March Madness, to be honest, and I'm not saying I would prefer Illinois to not make the tournament. I'm not saying that. But the last seven, eight years when they weren't in the tournament, I could watch throughout and my enjoyment was not contingent on how far Illinois went. But the way it went Sunday was so bad and so disappointing that I don't care to watch another college basketball game this year because I know those fan bases are having fun, and here I am, miserable, empty, a void. And what makes it all the more jarring, back to the title of this episode, From the Ritz to the Rubble, is that you were the highest of highs for two and a half weeks, and really, if you want to go even further, six, seven weeks, where you got that swagger and that bravado back as an Illini fan, and you felt like you could talk trash on Twitter and actually have it backed up by the team's performance. All of that, right? We were puffing our chest, and it felt good to finally get back to that. And it all comes to a screeching halt. And not really even screeching. That would indicate there was some excitement on Sunday. That was a boring-ass game. And a lackluster, lethargic performance. It is a dull ache 
That is not an acute pain that we felt Sunday. That is a dull ache for what should have been and unfortunately will not be. There was a lot of emotions, and I thought that 72 hours later, as I record this over my lunch hour, I thought that that emotion might dissipate and that I would have more perspective on the season. And we'll talk about perspective on the season because there are still many more positives, positives than negatives with what they accomplished. And there are many reasons to be optimistic for the future. But we can hold that truth in one hand and hold the polar opposite in the other, which is what happened Sunday was inexcusable. And as an Illini fan, I know sometimes we train ourselves to think that the worst case scenario is going to happen. Maybe it's our coping mechanism. Maybe it's Austin P and all these other tournament disappointments. And we just felt like we were due for another one. But I didn't think it was going to happen Sunday. And I certainly didn't think it was going to happen in that way. We got to talk about IO. We got to talk about the legacy of this team as a whole. Where do they fit in the history of Illini basketball? And time will tell, and there are more variables to play out here, including what Brad Underwood does over the next few years. But in the immediate aftermath of what happened Sunday, it was jarring. And in collecting my thoughts, I don't feel any better about that. <laughs> I, don't, I didn't wake up today thinking, oh, finally, you know what? The sun is shining, and it was. It's a beautiful day, and it was. Oh, and it's okay that Illinois lost. No, it's not okay. And it's not okay, not only that they lost, but that they got outclassed by a team that you should not get outclassed by. No offense, Loyola. We're going to get into a lot of it. All Illini basketball today as we go forward in the spring and start bringing you podcasts more consistently. We'll get into some spring football. I'm excited about what Brett Bielema is going to do here. But the frequency of podcast is going to go down, and I hate that it ended prematurely. Isaac, Trevor, and I were having so much fun doing these second half pods. I was having so much fun doing the solo pods in between those reaction podcasts. The feedback we got from you, the listeners, new and old, the ones that have been with us forever and the ones that joined us the last month. It was a crazy ride. And I just hate that it ended prematurely because, damn it, I was enjoying that wave. Uh, so today is unfortunately the postmortem. And I will bring as much energy as I possibly can to it because I am feeling a little bit more energetic in my emotions than I thought. Apathy, a weird sense of apathy was setting in on Sunday as that game, it was clear it was not going to go our way, right? We, we kind of knew that early on. If you really were to ask yourself, do I like our chances in this game? About eight minutes into game time, you probably honestly would answer, no, I don't feel good. So that, that sense of apathy, unfortunately, or not unfortunately, it's been replaced by some raw emotion after the fact. Before we get going too far, got to remind you, 200 Level is brought to you by DP Doe. Got to thank Steve and the fellows at DP Doe for being supporters of the 200 Level from the outset. And you can order a calzone online at dpdoe.com. $5 calzones using coupon code Mike. $6 premium and construction zones using coupon code Mike. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. So you can stay home, go to dpdoe.com, order whatever you want. They'll have it to your doorstep, piping hot in a short amount of time. These guys are campus uh, mainstays, and they're coming up on 15 years. So we're going to do some cool stuff with DP Doe here in just a bit as they celebrate their 15th anniversary. That's dpdoe.com. Got to thank 4th and Kirby online at 4thandkirby.com. Use coupon code 
200 level for 10% off your order. Great vintage inspired Illini t-shirts as we get into warmer weather. You need t-shirts to add to your collection, and they got plenty of them. And yes, the sting of Sunday will fade. You will want to rock your Illini apparel sooner rather than later, myself included. So go to fourthandkirby.com, coupon code 200 level for 10% off your order at fourthandkirby.com. Got to thank State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. No coupon code needed. You got State Farm prices. And Brian and his staff personalized everything for you. They made it really easy for Kara and I when we got homeowners and auto, when we moved to our new house, and they can make it easy for you as well. So go online to brianismyguy.com for State Farm agent Brian Hansen. And finally, Rector Construction, Isaac Ambrose, TV star. You're going to find him, I'm guessing, for the rest of March Madness if you are inclined to watch the games. But I can also tell you here and now that Rector Construction, these guys are not only great at what they do, but they're really good citizens of Champaign-Urbana. They've been giving back to the community from when they started, from a new roof to a crawl space inspection and everything in between. Go online to rectorconstruction.com. A lot I inquire with Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level and you, the listener. And I thanked you a little bit before and want to start with some gratitude. Let's start with that. First for the listeners and for what this podcast did over the last few months. We have grown exponentially, and I know that we had a good listening base to begin with, but boy, oh boy, did this become much bigger thanks to what the team did and thanks to the fact that Illini fans are nuts, and I mean that in the best way possible. I'm nuts too. I consume every bit of Illini media when things are going good, and then I got to take a bit of a break when things aren't going well. So all of that said, we still had a lot of people listen to Sunday's podcast, and maybe it was a sense of closure. Maybe it was just to see if you know we were feeling the same way that you were feeling during that game. But whatever it was from Sunday's podcast to the much more celebratory podcast, thank you for tuning in. It means the world to me. I know it means the world to Isaac and Trevor and uh, my buddy Andrew, who did a few of these as well, that we were able to kind of share in this journey. And overall, I wanted to start with that gratitude because this year of all years featured a lot of crap for everybody, Right. A lot of crap that we all had to deal with from COVID-19 to any sort of personal things that may have popped up, whether it be the loss of a job, just the uh, monotony of a day-to-day existence in a pandemic. For me personally, it was what my mom went through. And it was just two weeks ago, almost to the day that she got her new liver. And I was up in Chicago right before the Big Ten tournament. And I said back then, and this holds true, that no matter what Illinois did in the NCAA tournament, it was already the best March ever. And it just so happened that our week up in Chicago coincided with winning the Big Ten tournament title. I mean, as a family, I know it's apples and oranges, and my mom getting a new liver is far more of a big deal than Illinois winning any sort of conference title. But we grew up in Illini basketball, and that was part of our conversation as a family. And the way that it kind of coincided with one another was a crazy trip. To be in my mom's hospital room and watch the first half of the Iowa game in the Big Ten tournament semifinal was amazing. Not just because Illinois was leading and they looked really good, but it was, you know, my mom, days removed from getting a new liver and having a new lease on life and being able to do something and watch a game with her just like as if I were, you know, five, six years old back at our parents' house. So already it was the best March ever. And this team had a big part of that. In a year that we all needed distractions, they gave us more than just a distraction. They gave us many moments of joy in a year that was sorely lacking joy. And I will always be grateful to this team for that. 
you could go back to the Iowa game on January 29th. To me, that was really the switch that flipped everything. And I think we'd all agree on that. They needed a big win. They got it. Okay, maybe we got something going here. Sure enough, they won 13 of their next 14, right? Before Sunday. We don't need, we'll get to that in a bit. <laughs> but in that crazy stretch of wins, you had the Iowa game at home, which was thrilling. You had the follow-up as I was in this weird vaccine kind of fatigue phase out of my head a little bit. And that game went until what? 11 PM plus overtime at Indiana. One of the ugliest games of the year. And yet one of the most unforgettable that you somehow won that game with IO fouling out with seven, eight minutes to go. And you had not much left in the tank and you got it done. Ugly. The stupidest game ever played. We called it stupidest game ever played, but thrilling. Nonetheless, Wisconsin at home. A beautiful game. You smoked him. Io's first triple-double. It was an incredible game. Uh, doing that podcast with Trevor, and then the game later on at Wisconsin with Isaac. We had only one of them for each of it. Both of those Wisconsin games were amazing because you finally flipped the switch, or flipped the script, I should say, against a team that had owned you, and now you own them. Mm, that's beautiful. Like I mean, Just thinking about that, that makes me happy. Look at a game like, uh, gosh, what else did we have in that stretch? I don't want to jump ahead too far because I know there were games. I mean, listen, there were some ugly ones like Nebraska on the road that took overtime. Io kind of saved you in that one. You had Northwestern at home, and that was sort of eh as well. The at Michigan State game was a low point, though I thought that that was going to propel you to even greater success in March because all the other guys then took it upon themselves to rattle off the rest of those Big Ten regular season wins without Io. At Wisconsin, at Michigan, my God, that game, incredible. That's an all-timer. And then Io comes back for that great win at Ohio State to end the regular season. That's a crazy rush leading up to the Big Ten tournament, and we know what happened in Indy for that weekend. Taken together, that's a pretty remarkable season. You won a Big Ten championship, and for my money, you still are deserving of the Big Ten regular season championship, so I consider this team Big Ten champions. I'll even leave the tournament word out of it. They earned it. 19 wins against conference opponents. That's the good, and there is a lot of it. And all of those players are to think because they all contributed to one of the most memorable Illini seasons of my lifetime. But, and this is a big one, Losing the way that they did against Loyola tarnishes what would have otherwise been undoubtedly, unequivocally, a great season. And let's get the semantics out of the way first here. The difference between great and very good. I was talking with Jeremy on Monday, and we used to talk back in 93.5 about how baseball, the Hall of Fame, there were some players that were destined for the Hall of Very Good. And there's a difference, right? Hall of Very Good and the Hall of Fame true greatness versus just being very good. And for me, I want to reserve that term great for a team like 89 or 05, or maybe even to the 2001 team. You could even say the 03, 04 team, because not only do they match their um, regular season success with a sustained run to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament, right? There was that, but it also was uh, somewhat consistent throughout. Losing to Loyola the way that you did, unfortunately, dredged up a lot of the inconsistencies that we saw from this team earlier that I thought we had done away with. I thought we were over it. I thought the new floor for this team was what you did against Ohio State 
in the Big Ten Tournament Final, or even at Ohio State to end the regular season. I thought that was the new floor. I was wrong. I was very wrong, because unfortunately, the floor that you saw against Loyola Chicago, those were the things early in the season that worried us and made us think, well, did we maybe put too many high expectations on this team? So it is difficult to lump this team with even the 01 team or the 04 team that won a Big Ten outright championship, made a Sweet 16 only to lose to top-seeded Duke. Because in my life, there has never been an NCAA tournament exit. Sorry, 09 team, when you lost to Western Kentucky, <laughs> whatever. I mean, Chester Frazier was out. That wasn't all that shocking. I've seen disappointing losses in the Big Ten, or sorry, the NCAA tournament. Notre Dame. For the 03 team, Brian Cook and Sean Harrington's senior year. Disappointing, right? But this takes the cake. The disappointment is that this team could have won a national title or could have made a Final Four. And that is never more clear than when you look at their bracket or what would have been their bracket heading into the second weekend. And you knew that Loyola wouldn't be easy, right? I think we all understood that, though there was this hope that, well, wait a second, you're playing as good as anyone in the country not named Gonzaga. And arguably, you're playing better than anyone at this point. And if we go with the recent history of how this team had been playing, no, we shouldn't have been worried. We should have thought, yeah, this will be competitive because Loyal is good at what they do. The style that they play will keep this within an eight, nine point win. If Illinois does what they got to do, take care of business. You're a one seed. That's what one seeds do in the first and second rounds. But not only did they beat you, they made you look bad. It was kind of embarrassing, right? Not only the fact that, you know, you lost by 11 points against the team from the Valley. And yes, I am bringing the conference thing into it. I know the Big Ten has struggled. There's no doubt. But the Valley is not to the level of the Big Ten. I would have thought that the strength of schedule and the teams that you played would have had a benefit in that game against Loyola. When in fact, they looked like the team that should have been the one seed. And you looked like the team that should have been the eight seed. You were outclassed. You didn't know what to do. You couldn't adjust. You didn't do anything all that differently as the game wore on. So as I look at what this means for the legacy of this team, boy, oh boy, Hall of Fame or Hall of Very Good, unfortunately, this plants them firmly in the very good camp. Does anyone remember the 87 team all that much? The one that lost to Austin P. We remember that they lost to Austin P. right? And it was just before my time. I couldn't tell you the starting lineup. I assume that Ken Norman was on that team and some of the flying Illini guys would have been young on that team. And they had no business as a three seed losing to a 14. And yeah, you could argue that losing to a 14 seed is far worse than an eight-seeded Loyola team that I think we would all agree is underseeded. But 87 is not remembered in the same way as 89 or 05 or even for that matter, 01. Or even for that matter, 98, a team that won the Big Ten title, lost to a pretty good Maryland team in the second round. They exceeded expectations. And that's what makes this team so complicated. The 2021 Illini, so complicated because on one hand, they exceeded expectations by winning as many games as they did down the stretch, including some without Io. That exceeded expectations. You got the tangible banner that I was harping on all year long. We need something tangible. They got it. They got it. But then you also severely underperformed expectations when it mattered the most. And 
you know, grateful, of course, for the ride and the journey and that we got to experience this and we got to live vicariously through this basketball team with all those great moments, but also frustrated to hell that this is it. It's over. So this team is not going to be 05, 01, 89. This is a team that if Isaac and Trevor look back on it, they'll say, yeah, that was a pretty good year. I hope for their sake they get to experience a Final Four run or a team that wins a Big Ten title and then goes to the Sweet 16 or Elite Eight. But this, this is unfulfilling. No matter what age of an Illini fan you are, this is unfulfilling. This was going to be the team for an Isaac or a Trevor or even for younger fans. This was going to be their team. And unfortunately, the psychological effect is something like this. The psychological effect is that now, as a fan base, we're going to be gun-shy going into the tournament. Totally gun-shy. This was the debut for Brad Underwood, and what a debut it was in the NCAA tournament. One seed, you earned every bit of it. You earned all the praise. None of that was a sham. That was all legit, right? But unfortunately, if he has another disappointment next year, as a fan base, are we not starting to think, oh boy, oh no, 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 no. Don't tell me this guy is going to do that, you know, win one, lose one, do the Lon Kruger thing where it felt like we were perpetually never going to make it to the Sweet 16. And yes, of course, the grass isn't always greener, but winning in March is what matters. Yes, winning conference titles is important. I know Jeremy has talked about that often. I agree with that, but you don't want to follow that success up with a massive disappointment in the NCAA tournament. Loyola Chicago, losing to a Chicago team. You know, I, I don't care as much, I feel, as some Illini fans about the Chicago media and how we're perceived or anything like that, but damned if I'm not embarrassed that you had this great opportunity to really win over that city and do so in an emphatic way. Even if you just won a solid game against Loyola, it would have been a win-win for both teams. Wow, Loyola, they went up tough against Illinois, but man, that Illinois team, they could win it all this year. Would have been a win-win, right? Both teams would get all the credit that they needed from the Chicago media. Instead, one is at home prematurely in a very disappointing way, and the other one gets to continue their Cinderella run, presumably to the Final Four. That should have been your path. So, yeah, losing to Wichita State, Let's say they were an eight seed and you lost to them and you see Wichita State just waltz into the final four. That would have been disappointing. N- replace them with an in-state team, Loyola Chicago, that had just been to a final four back in 2018. Hell yes, that's frustrating. No beef with Loyola. None with Porter Moser. None with any single player on that team. Not even with old sister Jean. To be honest, that didn't really bother me during the game. I, I thought the side narratives and the shots of her and the, the prayer that she gave, which... Anyone that prays for your sports team to win, don't. <laughs> if there is a God, he doesn't care who wins the game. Just, just saying. That's all I'm going to say about the religious aspect of this. But it does sting to lose to Loyola Chicago. Because that was a great opportunity for Illinois. You laid an egg, and the Chicago media got to watch it. And they are going to be ready to pounce. Ready to pounce at the next underachieving Brad Underwood team, or I guess more to the point, ready to just ignore it. When you were right there and capable of winning that damn city over and you blew it, you blew it. You know, you would ask Carp, why do you care about what the Chicago media thinks? This team or this program, I should say, had cachet up there for about a seven, eight year run from let's say 98 to 2006. 
playing at the United Center, consistently selling out those games, getting marquee opponents to come in and play them. Yeah, you used to be cool up there. And there's work left to be done, despite what happened this year. To end like that takes you down a few notches. When you had done so much legwork to get back in the good graces of not just the Chicago media, but the Chicago area. To become more than the University of East Central Illinois. And then you blew it. You blew it. Just very, very frustrating. For the coaching. Okay, Carp, what would you have done? What offensive adjustments would you have made against this amazing Loyola defense? And it was amazing. And I can't give you a really good X's and O's breakdown of what it was, but to me, it really seemed like Illinois had zero answers against a Loyola team that has given up more than 58 points in a game this year multiple times, even in the Valley. And you finish with 58 points in the biggest game of the year against Loyola Chicago. You had plenty of time to prep for him, and that was the best you had? Stephen Gentry, who's been incredible all year, seemingly no answers. Defensively, Loyola got to the rim at will. What I thought was going to be a problem for them, undersized guards, they looked like the bigger, better, faster, stronger backcourt. And they got to the rim at will. Cameron Crutwig was incredible, of course. They made it look easy. 71 points for Loyola. Might as well have been 90 for any other team, the way that they play and the pace with which they play. It's like Virginia. Virginia scores 70 on you. You did a pretty awful job defensively. That was pitiful. So the coaching, I don't know, guys. Um, It's not enough to make me as one article, I think in the, what, Herald and Review? I think the Decatur paper might have published an article from some guy, last name O'Donnell, that said, well, we should essentially fire Brad Underwood and hire Porter Moser. I'm not willing to go that far. I do think Brad Underwood's a good leader of a program. I think that he will finish up this recruiting class strongly. You will be in the top four or five of the Big Ten next year. If Kofi comes back, you'll be competing for a Big Ten title. All of these are good things, and all of these are indications to me that there will be sustained success here to some degree. And considering where you had been, I will take that. I will take it. I'm not firing Brad Underwood. I'm happy he's here. But that performance was abysmal. You gotta be better prepared than that. You gotta have your guys ready. You gotta have some kind of answer. And with 12 minutes left in the game when it's clear that nothing's working, you need to force the issue. We'd show pressure and then we back off. We let them dictate the pace for 40 freaking minutes. And the coaching staff says, well, we tried everything in the toolbox. That's all you had? That's all you had. Guess what? Desperate times call for desperate measures. In a winner-go-home situation for a team that could win a national title, when those opportunities are so fleeting, that was it. Porter Moser, great coach, but far out-coached a coaching staff that I personally like to get shown up like that. When you were, by the way, the only game on right then, like the entire nation was watching getting home from church, whatever it may be, getting home from brunch. They flip on the Illinois game. Ah, yeah, that's number one seeded line 19. They're loaded with stars. Let's watch them. Only to see Porter Moser absolutely school Brad Underwood and his staff. Let's talk about Io. And I hate this part. This sucks. (laughs) Um, He is one of the best all-time Illini. He had, up till Sunday, what I thought was the best season in Illini basketball history. I have never seen a player have such a good season, but to end it so poorly. Frank Williams' final game 
against Kansas in the 2002 NCAA tournament was not so good. It was inefficient. He didn't look himself. I remember the next day actually calling into Boers and Bernstein. It was my spring break. Calling into Boers and Bernstein and saying that they were being too hard on Frank Williams. And they treated me with kid gloves because I was, what, like 12? Oh, let's see, 2002. Uh, what would I have been? I don't know, 15 years old. Old enough for them to be meaner to me. But no, they were still kind as I was on the phone with them. But Frank was rough that game. It kind of looked the sour taste, but not like what we saw Sunday with Io. And it's puzzling because this guy did everything right. He improved dramatically each and every year. He was as complete of a college basketball player as I've seen as an Illinois fan. He was a deserved first-team All-American, arguably Big Ten Player of the Year, though Luca, of course, deserved it as well. All of those things hold true, and then you have that game to end it. And it's not just that he had nine points and not just that he was inefficient offensively. It's that he got beat time and time again on simple backdoor cuts and getting beat around screens on defense. Effort things. That is more of a sour taste than I ever would have imagined. Knowing this thing likely was going to end in a loss, of course, I talked about winning a national title. I genuinely believed that this team was going to do it. But I also knew in the back of my mind, hey, there's that pretty decent percentage chance they lose, and that's it. But never in my wildest dreams would I have predicted that a big reason why would be your best player not only didn't show up, but for much of the game was a liability. It's puzzling. I'm still having a hard time processing that Io, for all the good that he did for this program, that is his final game as an Illini. That changes the legacy. And you could say that's an overreaction, and you could say that's hyperbole. I thought Jeremy put it best when I spoke with him Monday. Io is not going to be in that D and Darren territory. You need March success to reach that level, and I think we all assumed he was going to get it. Unfortunately for Io, he got one taken away from him last year. Maybe they make a run last year, and then he goes pro, and we remember the two years that he was here, and he made a Sweet 16. We were fortunate enough that he came back, because none of this would have been possible without him. And the turnaround for this program is still very much an Io DeSumo thing, right? It is Brad Underwood, but it's Io and what he did to bring you back to relevancy. Historically, that's never going to go away. But it is now going to be framed much more in the context of an Eddie Johnson, the first guy of many, but not the only guy. And not the dude that's going to get a statue in front of the State Farm Center. You win a national title, you bet. You make a Final Four, I bet they would have considered it when you factor in, okay, you, the program had stunk, you came in, you essentially resurrected it. But to lose like that, the first opportunity they have to raise his jersey, they should. He deserves that. He deserves all these accolades. But unfortunately, and we all know it, and this is why I think there's a pit in the stomach feeling for me and probably a lot of Illini fans. It was jarring. It was jarring to see this guy that had done so well in any big moment so far shrink in the biggest game of his life. And I'm still having a hard time processing that. I really am. For a 34-year-old, I looked, I mean, can you say look up to Io? He could not have done things better as an Illini. He cannot have represented the university or the basketball program better. 
all the praise and the starry-eyed sort of feeling that we get with Io, that's all legit, but it just seems to have taken on a different tone, a different tenor after what happened Sunday. He wasn't very good down the stretch, if you think about it. I mean, Drexel, he got his. Ohio State in the Big Ten tournament final, Iowa was not very good. You wonder if there's a carryover effect from what happened at Michigan State. I mean, concussions are tricky. And he looked out of sorts. I, I hate to say the effort thing, but defensively, he was getting beat over and over. So it's either one of two things. He's not trying hard enough, and that breaks my heart, if that's true. Or he's still not right. And that would be heartbreaking as well. But whichever it is, that is a really sad coda, a really sad final chapter for what was otherwise a completely storybook tale. One that if they would have just made a final four, for example, right? I say just make a final four, but look at this bracket, guys. They would have made the freaking final four. You do that, books written about you. But this, that's it, man. I mean, why do you think that we remember a Nick Anderson more than a Ken Norman, for example? Now, Nick Anderson is one of the all-time Illini greats, but if you look at statistically what Ken Norman did, he was fantastic. We look at them differently because of March success, and that's not to say that Ken Norman is the reason that you lost Austin P at all, but I, I, again, I didn't see that game. I don't remember it, but it's amazing what March success can do for a legacy, and that goes for a bunch of different guys. You know, Take Corey Bradford, for example. Someone who was on teams that made an Elite Eight and a Sweet 16, made that deep run his freshman year in the Big Ten tournament when they were pretty, well, I shouldn't say bad, but they only won three games in the Big Ten that year, a very young team that had to kind of figure things out. And you couple that with a couple of Big Ten championships, you look at his legacy and it's so contingent on what his teams did in March and the fact that he was there and he showed up and he did his thing game in, game out when it mattered the most. Small sample size for Io, again, going back to last year with COVID-19 interrupting it. And that sucks. But boy, oh boy, man. That's, that's rough. For that to be the final taste of Io in an Illini uniform changes a few things. It does. Elsewhere, man, uh, your best players were Kofi, Adam Miller, and Andre Curbelo. A silver lining, I guess, would be the fact that if Kofi comes back, you will be a top 10 team next year and you'll be a Big Ten favorite. Your backcourt will be good. Andre Curbelo's a star. I know he had his struggles, but damn it, at least he tried something on Sunday. One of the few sparks we had. Adam Miller, at least he tried. Taking it to the rim, making a couple threes to keep it from getting way out of hand because it was damn near close to getting out of hand. So thank goodness for him. Those were the three guys that played worth a damn. Everybody else is a no-show. And it's just puzzling. You know, it's, it's like beyond explanation. It's beyond reason. Everything leading up to that moment would not have prepared us for how it went down. Everything up to that moment prepared us for, they're going to take care of it. As I woke up Sunday... I got to be honest, on Friday, we beat Drexel, and then I'm watching the Georgia Tech-Loyola game. I'm not seeing enough from Loyola to think that we should actually be fearful of it. But when they win, there's this weird tinge in the back of my head that says, oh, God, whatever you do, just don't lose to freaking Loyola. 
Not as if we didn't know that matchup was probably going to happen, but it becomes more real when they get the win over Georgia Tech. And it's like, okay, here we go. 36 hours of Sister Jean and all that crap. Can we just fast forward to this game and get it over with? And fortunately, we got that early tip-off on Sunday. Imagine waiting until later Sunday only to watch that game, right? And I wake up Sunday morning, and I'm not feeling it, you know? But I go for a run, and it's a beautiful day, and I convince myself, you know, we're going to get it done. But I had to do some convincing. And I am not a genuine believer in vibes or gut feelings. I mean, (laughs) they are not the most accurate predictor of how things are going to go. But I had been feeling really high in this team, and for some reason, Sunday, I wasn't. And I don't know if that's universal for other people. I don't know if it was the gravity or the weight of the moment that, boy, you better win this. Because if you think about it, it was a win-win for Loyola. Even if they lost, they probably weren't going to lose by that much. They still would have had a pretty good story for themselves, and they would have been respectable, right? They would have shown up and played a respectable game. For Illinois, there was that off chance that something bad could happen, and your season would end in just absolutely disastrous fashion. I don't know what percentage I would have given to that. Less than 10% probably. But that's exactly what happened. And I tried and I tried to shake my shake the blues out and get ready for the game. And it started early and I was ready to go. And my lucky getup, my Kofi jersey that I've been wearing since the Michigan game was undefeated in that. Which, by the way, getting superstitious about things, I'm not going to do that crap anymore. I've, I fall in that trap whenever my team start playing well. And you think I would have learned my lesson by now. But I digress. The vibe wasn't there. And I got to wonder if there wasn't something similar within that locker room. Because from the outset of that game, something wasn't right. They were flat. Loyola was inspired. You would have thought there would have just been this let's take care of business mentality for this team. But I don't know, maybe for the first time, they had lost that chip on their shoulder. Maybe they'd been in Indy too long. I'm seeing this theory floated out there since there's only one Big Ten team left in the Sweet 16. Of course, it's Michigan. That's not aggravating at all. That by this point, they had been tired of living the bubble life, and I can certainly understand that. And that leads to one point that I I feel like I shouldn't miss. The sacrifices this team made, and D1 athletes in general, but I know what this team made because they kept themselves COVID-free for this entire year, somehow, someway. That takes remarkable, remarkable fortitude and resiliency and not seeing your friends and family, only seeing each other, they made a hell of a lot more sacrifices than I am ever going to make. So, of course, I'm sitting behind a microphone complaining and ticked off that Illinois did what they did. It's aggravating. But at the end of the day, they're putting in 60 hours a week to do something that I could never hope to get that good at anything, right? I understand that naturally, by doing this and voicing my frustration over a basketball game, as a 34-year-old dude whose highest level of basketball was Park District, yeah, that's borderline petty, if not just 110% petty, right? But I don't think that all those things, the sacrifices included, excuse what we saw Sunday. I don't know (laughs) what the solutions are. I don't know what the next move is. You know, and trying to gravitate towards framing this season, and that's what I attempted to do today, there's always going to be a bittersweet tinge to it with the way that it ended so abruptly and you didn't really accomplish what you would hope to or even make the second weekend. And I also really don't know what to think going forward 
other than the fact that you're in a better place than you were before. And yes, I like that Brad Underwood's our coach. And I think that he's going to do fine. But we can talk about the albatross that's on the Illini fans' backs and shoulders right now. Why we feel so weighed down and so despondent, even though it is only one loss in the NCAA tournament. There's plenty of one seeds that lose in disappointing fashion. Take Virginia. A few years ago, they lose to a 16 seed. Next year, they go back and they win a national title. Maybe that happens next year if Kofi comes back. I wouldn't. Ex- I'm not going to dismiss the possibility. You got a backcourt that'd be good enough. You got Kofi coming back. Sure, you can make a run. I, I imagine actually that that team, even though they wouldn't be necessarily as good as this year's team in totality, probably would make a deeper run. Right? All depends on matchups and all that. But the reason this weighs so heavy on Illini fans and the reason that we feel so empty is that we don't have a national title. And I don't even know if this team had to win a national title for there to be satisfaction. But the lack of a national title means that we are going to be that much more easily triggered whenever our basketball team disappoints us. And that's exactly what happened. This only feeds into the psychology that we have that it's never going to happen. We aren't good enough. Woe is me, Murphy's Law, et cetera, et cetera. And that's not a healthy place for a fan base to be. And I tried against, (laughs) as an Illini fan, your instincts push you in that direction. And I pushed that away as much as I possibly could this year, even with the loss against Maryland at home, where I just said, you know what? I'm not going to freak out. I'm just going to kind of recalibrate expectations, right? That is the furthest I went this year. Let's recalibrate expectations. Okay, fine. They get a four seed and maybe they make the second weekend of the tournament. And I guess we'd be okay with that. But I refuse to go down to the worst case scenario because for one, that's not much fun to do. And for another, eventually we're going to crack it. And that's why this year of all years felt like they were going to crack it, that they were going to do something more than lose in the second freaking round. And to do that is just the most deflating feeling I've had as an Illini fan. Just absolutely deflating. I've seen, I guess, more consequential losses, but it is the unknown and not knowing what this team would have accomplished had they just won on Sunday. That is what's going to eat at us, and God knows it's going to eat on those players and that coaching staff. That is a major miss. That is disastrous for how good they were. You don't get teams like that very much. With a first-team All-American and a second-team All-American and a stud freshman point guard and a supporting cast that, hey, you could do a lot worse. So take those all together, and boy, oh boy, it's like that battery acid in your brain feeling. It's the, that sour heartburn kind of feeling going up, your, going up your chest, and it just it doesn't sit right, and I don't know when it will. I don't know when it will. I so badly wish I could have come on here today and made you all feel better about things. There are, of course, positives with this season. There are positives going forward for this program. There are reasons to be optimistic, genuine reasons of optimism. There are reasons to be grateful for what these guys did, and none of that is negated. But unfortunately, the impact of all of that is lessened. It is. Because sports is about, what have you done for me lately, right? And I know that's a cliche, kind of an odd one to maybe throw out there, but to have that be the final note, the final chapter in what was otherwise a great story. I gave this comparison to Jeremy when we talked about Game of Thrones. 
and we're actually re-watching it right now, something I didn't think I would do after initially seeing the finale. So I think that gives hope for us all that maybe we'll come back to the season at some point and appreciate it once the sourness of that loss has left us. But as I'm re-watching Game of Thrones, I'm reminded what a journey it was until it wasn't. And all of a sudden it ended and you're like, wait, that he's taking the throne? This guy? We came eight seasons for this? And in the case of this team, what was it, 24 and 7? We came 31 games for this ending? I know that that's what they're feeling tenfold at the oven. And they worked their butt off and they gave us a great season. They really did. But unfortunately, their place in Illini history is always going to have that, oh, they were great, but. And it's a damn shame. And I only hope that going forward, Brad Underwood has enough success where we look back on this season as a formative year, a stepping stone, a crazy run to a one seed, but ultimately not the pinnacle of what Brad Underwood can do. And that's the scary thing as an Illini fan is having lived through enough coaches and enough tenures to know that there's no guarantee of anything. And that just because we made it back into relevancy this year doesn't mean that they're going to keep it for forever, right? Or even for a few more years. It's so fleeting. I think you are in a position to do that. I think you're in a safer position now, certainly, than you were after Bruce Weber got the one seed and you went to a national title game. I think you have more long-term viability than you did then. But it's got to happen first. And because of the way this ended, there's going to be a little bit more... I don't know, a little bit of fear, perhaps, for Illini fans that, oh God, if this doesn't work out, then what? And I don't want to go down that road again. And I know Illini fans don't want to go down that road either. And we shouldn't have to. (laughs) We paid our dues, you know? We paid our dues for eight years not making the tournament, make this wild run. We won one stinking game. Hey, at least you didn't lose the first round. But then it just ended so prematurely. So hey, if you end up watching the games this weekend, kudos to you. I, I can't. I can't watch them. I just have no interest in watching any basketball right now. Baseball season's approaching, so thank God for that, that there will be a distraction. Um, But this is about the best I can do right now for contextualizing this team, and it might have sounded pretty negative, and I apologize for that because I don't want to attack the kids. It's not about that, and I don't even want to attack the coaching staff because of everything they did for the course of an entire season in these circumstances. It's pretty remarkable. But we also cannot sidestep the fact that That was just disastrous. That was really bad. And it is not all sunshine and roses. And a lot of how we feel about this program is totally dependent on how they follow up that massive disappointment. And that just puts a hell of a lot more pressure on the offseason and everything that comes after. So yeah, sorry I cannot be the bearer of good news, but that's kind of where we're at. And I'm sure that time will heal or at least lessen the pain from what happened Sunday, but for now, it stinks, as John Lovitz would say is the critic. Hey, got to thank the sponsors. DPDO, online at dpdo.com. Use coupon code MIKE for $5 Cal Zones and $6 Premium and Construction Zones at dpdo.com. Fourth and Kirby, online at fourthandkirby.com. Use coupon code 200LEVEL for 10% off your order at fourthandkirby.com. Rector Construction, online at rectorconstruction.com for everything from a new roof to a crawl space inspection and everything in between, rectorconstruction.com. And finally, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it. 
brianismyguy.com. Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network appreciate their partnership. Appreciate you, the listener, for being around for this incredible journey. And uh, as negative as today may have sounded, I think it was a bit of catharsis to get some of this emotion out. Um, Time has not healed this, but it's only been 72 hours. So... Maybe if I'm lucky, another 72 hours from now, it'll feel better. I'm not sure if it will or not, but I do know that it was a fun ride, right? I know that for sure, and I know that we are going to continue to be here this spring and this summer. We aren't going anywhere. There just won't be any post-game pods for a while. We'll probably be back to the two episodes a week, but man, it was kind of fun to do four or five a week because there were so many things to talk about and, and so many things to cover and a fun season to cover at that. So that weird mix of gratitude and anger, and that weird sense of fulfillment and emptiness. It's just this weird kind of contradiction. And I think, unfortunately, that's what the season will somewhat be remembered as, is a contradiction, a season of contradictions in the weirdest year and circumstance that we'll ever see for Illinois basketball. So all things considered, we are feeling good about the future, but the present And as we go into the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight and we aren't there and I see a bunch of other teams and think, what the hell? What? Or Oregon State? We would have been playing Oregon State? Ugh, don't, can't even go there. So I think this weekend will be full of staying outside and doing things that are not sports related, watching TV shows that have nothing to do with sports, and eventually just trying to bridge the gap until baseball starts. Um, But we will be around for plenty of Illini basketball recruiting talk. I'm sure that will heat up. We got spring football Hey, the 200 level, we made it through last March, April, May, June, July, August, September with no sports. So we plan on doing it this spring and summer with, I'm guessing, plenty to talk about. And I hope that you stick with us. Again, thank you so much for making our podcast part of your Illini sports rotation. All right, everybody, I'm going to get out of here. We'll be back, if not later this week, first thing next week. And in the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you soon. It is the 200 level. 